Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. So glad we're going to have this hour together. If you missed any of the last hour, it sure was a wonderful time uh, hearing from my friend Patrick Albanese in Des Moines, and then also the Monday afternoon mix. There was some really uh, good teaching and uh, some really nice moments in the last hour. So if you missed any of it, you can always go to myfaithradio.com. If you can sign up to do the podcast thing, always good. If you can't listen live, you can always listen when you're on the treadmill or doing whatever you do. At night, maybe you just need my voice to help put you to sleep. I'm open to that as well, so let me know how I can help. All right, I'm looking forward to this hour. Uh, Philip Shorey is my guest. He is a, a graduate of the Institute of Production and Recording, and it's a theater and a commercial composer. He's been doing that for the last 10 years, but he's also traveled around the world as a marionette artist and a street performer. So um, he's my cup of tea. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I like everything about you, just so you know. Oh, man, I'm I'm honored. I yeah. love everything about you, too. Cool. And now you've written this new book. Uh, I love the first book you wrote, um, and now you've got a new one out. Is it out already? It's it's going to be released probably the beginning of next year. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's one good thing about lockdown and coronavirus that gave me some time to finish a book. Yes, this one is called Travelogues of a Family Sideshow, yep. uh, which is, uh, it's great. I love that. Yeah, but, that's exciting. Yeah, but I want to give uh, listeners a little bit of a, a background. If they um, missed the last time you were on, and I'm sure we've had many, many listeners have joined uh, listening to the program since, I'm curious uh, for you to share a little bit about your, your first book, uh, Kill Your Art. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, kill your art. Yeah, that's the that was like the the first book. I thought I'd give it a try. I mean, I was I was originally putting together travelogues of a family sideshow, and then I thought I should put together some some information on my philosophy and theology of art and the gospel and art and just surrendering it and just what I've learned in the streets performing uh, with the marionette theater all over the world and using my art to share the gospel. Um, so I, I wrote a book called Kill Your Art, A Street Performer's Guide of Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ. And it ruffled some feathers at first. I mean, it's, it still kind of does, but, you know, that title sounds a little offensive, mm-hmm. Kill Your Art. And uh, I got some pushback right away. Um, but people knew that I wasn't saying like, oh, make bad art or, you know, don't make art or anything like that because I'm an artist and and I, I do the best at what I do. Um, and so... What what it, what it was is just that like people were confused, and it, so I, I I shared with them. I was like, hey, you know, when Jesus called people to die to themselves, you know, I think a lot of people were a little confused and a little upset, and they're like, hey, I like myself, and uh, so I think when when Jesus calls us to deny ourselves or take up our cross and follow Him, swallow our pride, um, kill our art. Uh, it's an invitation to to collaborate with him, you know, an invitation to allow God to come into your work and come into your art 
and and do more with it than what you can do on your own. And and that that really just comes down to redefining success and uh, letting the Holy Spirit lead and in letting you be what you were created to be, you know, and and the honor and the privilege of being an artist and being able to collaborate with the creator of the universe. Uh, it's just it blows my mind why more artists wouldn't want to do that, you know, like as a musician, you'd want to collaborate with the best of the best, you know, like John Williams or, or you know, Scott Joplin back right. in the day, or whoever, you know, you'd want to collaborate with them. Um, but we get to collaborate when we deny ourselves, when we surrender our art, when we hold it with an open hand, when we invite the Holy Spirit into it every step of the way of the creative process, we get to collaborate with the creator of the universe. So so it's a simple book, Kill Your Art. Uh, since I, I wrote it with the, the foundation of being a street performer, I use that as my main medium for uh, what it means to surrender your art and kill it. Uh, and, but it really applies to any kind of performance art, any kind of art at all. Um, the principles are all the same. Mm-hmm. Philip, do you think that uh, people who might be uh, slightly more broken than others gravitate towards the arts? I'm not saying that you are, but I'm just saying uh, I know a lot of people who get into performing because they have got a lot of pain in their life and they they know that if I get in front of people, that uh, people will love me, and that's what I want. Wow, that's a really amazing question. Um, I, I think art. one of the things that art is given to us for as humans um, by God uh, that makes us very unique, you know, in his creation um, is that we can use it to process. We can use it to process life and process pain. And uh, it's just an amazing, beautiful gift in that way. Um, So in some ways, yes, but, um, but I, but not completely, you know, I, I, I know that one thing that God has, called me to do is not just make art about uh me mm-hmm. you know not just be true to me not just be true to myself um not just reflect on myself um but to reflect on the truth and to be an advocate for the kingdom of god um and just be an advocate for uh those who are broken or or those who don't know god and be an advocate for for Christ and for healing and for life and love. So uh, in that regard, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're all in process. We're all broken um, to some degree or another. Uh, but I don't think that needs to be the focus right. for for all art. I think that maybe that can be part of the focus, but that's not the whole story. You know, the whole story ends with the resurrection and ends with with healing. Uh, so. So, yeah, I mean, just because you find that healing doesn't mean you should stop making art anymore. I mean, I think that's that's the all of a sudden that's the launching pad to make the greatest art. Like, of course. Know? Yeah. But I love the fact you said surrender your art because there's sometimes you, you see people want to use their art to elevate themselves and to build up their platform and their social media platform and to become more famous and recognizable. But are they using it to build themselves up? Or are they using it to serve the king? And this is what I love about you, Philip, because you're using your art to serve the king. Hmm. I try. I do my best. I want to. I want to. It's just, it's not always easy. Oh, I get it. I get it. There's always that 
explore, right? Yeah. But yeah. When Thank I got you. when I got out of college, I thought, well, maybe I'll do graduate school. Maybe I'll become a marriage and family counselor. That seemed to have some kind of appeal to me. And I went and applied at a, a, a school out in California. And I was talking to the the admissions counselor, and he said, "Well, what are you what are you doing now?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm a performer and I do magic and you know." And he he goes, "What?" I go, "Yeah." And he said, "He goes, I want you to follow that instinct. Not that you're you know." You wouldn't enjoy being a marriage and family counselor, but with your skill set right now, you'll get places I will never get. Mm. I thought that's pretty good counsel because you, you've been places that no one listening would probably ever be in, like certain places. I'd love for you to share some of the opportunities you've had as a street performer and as a performer to be uh, in prisons and other places around the world performing. Yeah. Well, that's what Travelogues of a Family Sideshow is. I mean, it is a hundred years, an anthropology of performance arts uh, evangelistically, um, dating back to the Titanic and the 1920s, um, and it leads up to current day. And I have a plethora of, of stories of going into some of these crazy places, you know, like our just our, our origin story of going into a brothel in Brazil and and uh, just at theaters in Minneapolis and um, refugee camps and squats and all kinds of crazy places. Um, but one thing that's not in the book, it's since I'm writing it now and finishing it in the editing process, I'm still performing. Um, and actually the, this, this season with the coronavirus has um, not been easy for high, big level, large audience mm-hmm. performances, yeah. as we all know. Um, but it, it has been not too bad for the intimate crowd, you mm-hmm. know, uh, especially in the warmer months, the intimate crowd, you know, I mean, where everyone's just longing for a personal connection, um, not to get lost in a crowd, not to just watch another screen, um, or get, you know, engagements, but to find that intimate crowd. So one of the things that we did this, uh, past summer was we found, uh, a, uh, an encampment, and there was a lot of encampments in Minneapolis for people experiencing homelessness. And one of them showed up across the street from my house. So, as a homeowner and and as a performer and artist, uh, I thought I'd go over there and just investigate. And one thing led to another, and they invited me to perform my show for their camp. And we did it a couple times. And we're not just on tour at this point. This is where I live. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know so you're 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 in there you're building relationships uh it's not just about a puppet show anymore it's not just about even just sharing the gospel once and then saying goodbye it, it's opening a door it's like can we use this to start a bible study in this camp right now mm. uh can we use this to do to speak truth the truth that maybe you know people come by and and there's hints of it and there's there's a lot of um, social justice and reform and good uh, humanitarian efforts happening and people bringing food. But can we use this to actually speak the truth on why we want to help and like where that love comes from and and what the kingdom of God can look like and hopefully use it to surface people who are genuinely seeking to get out of the situation and get off the addictions um, and that's what we did. And it was amazing. Um, I, you know, I won't, this is like 
really local and still really fresh and current. So I, I, I won't go into extreme detail, but but to be able to bring a street theater, a marionette theater, where all when all the other theaters are closed um, and live entertainment is scarce, and see God open up uh, this door through just bringing a, a small gift from my garden or my neighbor's garden, actually, uh, of, of, of food, and then allowing a Bible study to open in those relationships to form and seeing, and then seeing people actually give their lives to Jesus and wow. get off the street and wow. get, get into shelter and get, get jobs. And, you know, just through those relationships, you know, so it's just, man, I mean, I, I want my art to be used for kingdom stuff, you know, not just yeah. like sell CDs, sell t-shirts, make it as an artist, you know, right. like I want it to be used for stuff I could never imagine. Um, and, and allow the art to, to just play a role in a much bigger, uh, scheme of what God wants to do in people's lives. Yeah. All right, Phil, let me take a little break. When we come back, a couple things. This is the second time today I've heard the word plethora on my show, so I want to hear more about plethora. And also you mentioned brothels in Brazil. I definitely want to hear what it was like to get into that and perform there. And also I do want to get back to the encampment and some of the things that went on this summer here in Minneapolis. I mean, when George Floyd uh, died, this national news story around the world, everybody knows about it, and there was a lot of... uh, people that camped out in Minnesota, um, in Minneapolis this summer. And the fact that you showed up with your art and said, let's uh, make a difference for the kingdom. I want to hear more about that. Philip Shorey is my guest. We'll be right back. have uh, Philip Shorey on the program today. He's uh, written a book called Kill Your Art, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ. He's also got a new book coming out uh, soon called uh, Travelogues of a Family Sideshow. And I have so many questions for you, Philip, just because I find you so interesting. Um, And I'd love for you to just, before I get to my questions I asked you before the break, I want you just to let, let the listeners know again about the family you grew up in. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I guess I'll just take a quick uh, opportunity to say hi to my wife and three kids on the radio. Sweet. Yeah, by all <laughs> means do it. Axel, Casper, and Juno. I got three kids, two boys and a little girl. And um, I'm a fourth generation puppet or performance artist evangelist. And my great grandfather started it um, back in the 1920s. He was part of the Salvation Army. He was preaching in the street. He was uh, playing in the marching band, and he came over. He was going to come over on the Titanic, but his mom said, no, I don't feel right about this. They saw, a, they, they saw a sign that said, even God can't sink this ship, 
And as just nominal Lutherans, they thought that's not a good idea. So they waited for the next boat, the next ship, and came over and settled in central Canada. Um, and he found he found the Lord in a really uh, incredible way through the Salvation Army in the 1920s. And then that evolved as he gained more of a, a passion for sharing the gospel and for the arts. Uh, he started his own marionette theater, uh, I believe, in the 1940s. Um, so, and actually what's funny is that his, his, uh, his sister, she was being pursued by someone whom his mom in back in Denmark had helped get off the street. This guy, his name was Martin and he was, he was getting off the street and he was getting off alcohol and he was a street kid of some kind. And he, he, he knew sight, sleight of hand, you know, a magician's trick. And he was very familiar with with magic, possibly to help him get get money in the streets in Denmark. Uh, so he's the one that actually taught my great grandfather Axel Rasmussen to uh, do magic. Which, as he when he found the Lord, he used that magic in the 1940s to start sharing the gospel and get into puppetry and marionettes. And this was about the time uh, that the Fellowship of Christian Magicians was being formed in California in mm. the 1940s. So here you have Central Canada and you have California happening all at the same time, probably more places. But in the 1940s, magic and the arts and marionettes are starting to be used uh, by God to share the gospel evangelistically outside the church and inside the church. And uh, it, it's kind of cool that he, my grand, my great-grandfather never knew about the Fellowship of Christian Magicians. You know, it's so far away. But the Holy Spirit was doing something, you know? It, it, it was just happening in that generation separately, but it was just an act of God, I think, that was cultivating the arts to be used as a vehicle for sharing the gospel. So then my grandfather, uh, grandpa Ed, my grandpa Ed, Ed, Edgar Rasmussen, he uh, he's did the same thing. He, he Along with his dad, uh, they broke off. They had so many opportunities. They went throughout Canada and the United States uh, with a traveling act, with a musical singing saw, the accordion. <laughs> uh, they just, they had a whole, they had five kids, my mom. Uh, they traveled on and off uh, for nine years in an Airstream trailer. And you had a bit of the dawning of the family evangelistic band or the family gospel band. Um, this was this was a big thing in the 1970s uh, with the Jesus movement. Uh, but my, my parents, my my mom was doing it with her, her grand, her dad in the 1960s. And there was many, there was many that came to follow. I mean, I, I, there's a whole wave of still, and I think it peaked in the 1980s, uh, where there was these families that were traveling, um, doing family shows, sharing the gospel with puppetry and magic and different arts, and it still it still happens today. There's still families that do this kind of thing, although entertainment is not as rare as it used to be. Right. Uh, so, so the methods have changed quite a bit, and and it's not always just like living in a trailer. But that still that still happens. Um, but my mom did it with four brothers. They had marionettes. They did. A, they had a quintet. They all sang. 
my grandmother went to the Conservatory of Toronto and taught all of her kids music and including myself, many of her grandkids. And, uh, and they traveled around sharing the gospel. Uh, they went to a lot of, their heart was really for remote towns, you know, not the big cities, but just remote towns where things were really traditional mm-hmm. and, and they wanted to go and just shake it up a little bit, you know, with, with, with marionettes, you know, or <laughs> with, uh, with, with electric guitar, you know, or back in the 1960s. So you, you still had this, this thing happening in the seventies, uh, you know, the history of, of, of the gospel and being moved with the arts, uh, it's in the seventies and then the eighties, I started doing it. Uh, I, w- I was born in the eighties. I was raised partially in a camper, uh, my, with my parents, they started a show and it, now it's the Jim Henson era, you know, mm-hmm. it's the David yeah. Copperfield era. It's the, the era of magic. It's the era of, um, you know, illustrations, gospel, gospel illusions, uh, fellowship of Christian magicians. I, it's probably in, it's like heyday at this moment, uh, in the eighties, um, puppetry, one way street, all the children's pro big programs were using puppetry. Uh, by the end, by the late '80s um, and into the '90s, and uh, so I lived in a camper and we did puppet shows and clowns. I was never a clown. My my parents and my brother they did clowns. I would not do it. So I dressed up in a rat costume, and um, and then I did puppetry and ventriloquism, and I competed nationally at the FCM conferences uh, doing ventriloquism, and. Um, I just, you know, grew up doing this. I didn't go to school for theater or, or puppetry. I just, it was just a passed down uh, family tradition, you know, family lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. And and I, I, I finally got really sick of it as a kid, you know, like I, I was living in do. a camper as kids would. They yeah. should, you know, they need friends. And I, <laughs> I was in uh, a camper living, you know, week to week at a new place every yeah. week, you know? Wow. And I think it was the grace of God that instilled this wisdom in my parents that said, you know, we need to, we need, our kid needs some stability. Um, our kids need to go to school and like have friends. And, and when that happened, puppetry was slowly becoming less and less cool, mm-hmm. uh, to me, to me, you know, and sports and music was becoming a little more cool. Um, so fast forward, to uh, me now in Minneapolis. I'm off on my own. This um, is a big m- story, and I'm going to have to hit, hit pause at this point because I, <laughs> I got to take a hard break, uh, Philip. But when I come back, I do want you to pick up in Minneapolis because this is a big, big uh, time in your life. This is exciting. Philip Shorey is my guest. We'll take a short break. His book is called Kill Your Art, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. Philip Shore is my guest. He's got a passion for street storytelling, and he has got a desire to take the gospel and use the giftedness God has given him and use it to uh, share the love of Jesus with a lost and troubled world. And Philip, when we last left off, you were telling me about some big thing you did in Minneapolis. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- yeah, thank you. Um, we were, I just, yeah, we we're talking about the story of my family and uh, the five generations, four generations leading up to me of sharing the gospel through the arts uh, starting in the 1920s. And uh, we went to, we were getting to the point where I think uh, I moved to Minneapolis. I grew up in New Hampshire and I moved to Minneapolis and I was in search for uh, the church. I was in search for what does it mean to really live out this faith we call Christianity. And I was looking for it in a real, real way, not a, a traditional and legalistic kind of way. And I, I started going to these community meals uh, with an organization, which is now the missions organization I currently work with called Steiger International. And we were going to these community meals on Monday nights at the Steiger house. And I, I found this community of artists and people who had a heart for people who uh, were disenfranchised with the church and were on the fringe and and they were just, it was, they were artists. And altogether, we were riding tall bikes, freak bikes, building bikes together, working in the local coffee shops. Um, I got introduced to the local underground theater scene here in Minneapolis uh, as a composer and started writing music for their plays and uh, got reintroduced to puppetry. As I, as I said before, I, I grew up with puppetry on the road, but as I got off the road and discovered that it, puppetry wasn't that cool, uh, I turned more towards music and sports to find my friends, which full circle, I ended up in this theater and puppetry was cool, uh, but it wasn't like just for kids, um, like you might see in Sunday school uh, back in the 90s. It was, it was an art form, you know, it was theater, it was provocative, it was intellectual. And it was deep and heavy, and they and it was evangelistic, but it was evangelistic in a different direction than than what I was passionate for. Uh, so I got reintroduced to uh, puppetry, and at that same time in Minneapolis, I discovered through this mission organization this 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 uh, calling that they had to go to Brazil and to work with the destitute and street kids and prostitutes in Brazil. And I wanted to go and I thought, what can I do to, to help there? What can I actually do to like make a difference in Brazil? And during this one conversation I had with a very famous puppet puppet maker here in uh, Minneapolis, uh, we were going to work together on a show. He, he introduced me to some of his suitcase theaters, his little suitcases he would perform puppetry with in, in Mexico in the streets. And uh, he, you know, he called them 45s and maybe just 45 second loops, puppet show loops. And there is quite a, quite a bit of this. I mean, there is a lot of people who perform in the street and do it with puppetry and, and they call it toy theater. And uh, all of a sudden it clicked. Like I have this background in puppetry. I love traveling. I had a heart to share God's love anywhere I could. And 
my grandfather had marionettes and he still had them because <laughs> he used them in the 1960s to share wow. the gospel. Mm -hmm. So I called him up. I was like, Grandpa, do you still have those marionettes that you used back in the 1960s? And he did. They were just sitting around collecting dust and he gave them to me. They were from the Hazel's Marionette uh, Theater Company in Kansas City. And he had adapted them to his stories. And he said, I could just have them. No strings attached. Yeah. And <laughs> there you go. And um, so I, I, I got those marionettes. They were the perfect size. And I fabricated my first show, Story of Saul's Conversion. And you got to ask yourself, if you're going into a brothel, into a favela, a slum, um, what's the one thing that you'll, that you'll say? You know? And I was fronted with that question. Like, what – if I'm going to this place I know nothing about, I have no business really being there. God is leading me there. What's the one thing that you could say – if you could say one thing, what would you say? Would you say just be happy? Do whatever you want. Feel what. Do whatever feels good. I mean, that's what most people just want, right? Mm -hmm. Just be happy. I I prayed about it, and I thought I felt God was telling me the one thing to say is that no matter where you've been or whatever you've done, God loves you, and that He has a plan for your life, and that He is a God of second chances, just like He used Saul, a murderer, to write a good portion of the Bible and to change the world. So I did the story of, of, of Saul's conversion, just a Bible story. I mean, I, it was, it had a lot of artistic, uh, liberties for sure. You know, like he rode an elephant instead of a horse on the way to, to, to Damascus. But, uh, <laughs> there was, there was some really dark humor in, um, in my, there was just always some dark humor in my, my stories. Mm -hmm. It's for, it's mostly for adults. You know I mean? I, I, I it's, it's okay for kids, but but I like to use puppetry to like target adults because it just catches them off guard. They don't know that like they think it's a simple little puppet show, but then they realize it's like got a pounding punch of truth mm -hmm. and and provoking thoughts attached to it. So we went into the the brothel, a brothel. We were asked to go into a brothel while we were down there. And again, like what business do I have being there? You know, like these kind of opportunities, these kind of places that I'll I'll find myself I don't have uh, a master's degree in, in, in foreign studies or, you know, all, uh, doctors in, in theology. Like, I don't have all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm yet I'm there, and I have a puppet show. And I ask God, like, what, what do you want to do here? Do you want to lead a mass exodus? Like, am I going to die? Is this – I'm not here to promote their business. Um, what What's, what's going to happen? And – it's just that moment where you say, God, take control. Like, I, I honestly, like, what can I do? Who am I? And we did four shows in this one brothel in Brazil. And we uh, performed for just a, a few prostitutes at first. And then the, the chia or the pimp upstairs wanted us to perform for her girls, her ladies. And she invited us to pray for them that they'd get out of there. And then another chia, another pimp, invited us to perform for her ladies. And she told the men, you can't do business here until you see this show first. So we performed for the men and for the women. And can you imagine like the men going to go to a brothel and then they see a puppet show about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and 
So we're performing for these these ladies, these men, and then the the fourth uh, level, it was the 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 chia or the pimp. Uh, she was a Makuma witch doctor. She did not like the the girls who uh, were from the church who had been developing these relationships with the brothel and with the the different pimps in the brothel to help them. Um, she didn't like them at all. Uh, but but there was a puppet show making its way through the brothel, and she wanted to be a part of it. So she invited us to perform uh, on her level, on her on her uh, floor mm-hmm. for, for about 20 prostitutes. And afterwards, we prayed together. I mean, you walk into this this room and you'd see the offerings to the dark spirits. Uh, but you just know like God is leading you without any doubt. So if God is leading you, what, what does it matter? You know, you just walk in it with total authority that God is with you and that he is going to lead you to whatever end it may be. It's going to be glorious because it's his will and his leading and it's for the kingdom. And, so we we performed our show and we got to pray with 20 prostitutes or or so I don't remember exactly how many it was many years ago but we prayed with them and and the coolest part was that we built the relationship with the local church stronger you know and that's what I see as the biggest fear for a lot of people is that they hold on to their ministries so tight when something weird like this comes around or when they get a chance to be open about their faith or about the gospel, they're afraid because they're afraid they may lose their ministry. They may lose their connections. They may lose those relationships, um, which in our, in this case, it, it got better. And I think that's what God wants to do. He wants He wants to be the God who who has control of those relationships and can actually do something with them, you know, so we mm-hmm. can, we actually release control. God is able to work. And, um, and that's what we saw happen in this brothel. And I went home from that trip in Brazil, back to Minneapolis. I was, I was in school at the Institute of Production recording at the time. I was on spring break and that was my spring break. And everyone else came back from spring break and they're like, Oh, I went to Amsterdam and Oh, I had a great time. And I'm like, I was in Brazil. I was in, the, I was in the brothel and and in the favelas, and I just realized what a, what a end this would be if if I just pursued the rat race and tried to make it as a Hollywood film composer. How I would just be, it, it would just be terrible. Um, I I felt like God had opened my eyes and I was wrecked for the ordinary. You know, I was ruined for the ordinary. I was. I could not go back and just say, yeah, let's just climb the ladder and try to make it as a composer. Like I had, I had made it. I had made it. I was, I had seen God change people's lives through uh, a simple puppet show and that maybe performing a simple puppet show may actually make a bigger impact in the world than writing music for blockbuster films or, you know, that that would be like the 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 dream, you know. So I decided to I, I skipped my my uh, I, I finished school. I didn't go, even go to my graduation. I had an opportunity to work with a Hollywood film composer in an internship, or to go on tour with a band called No Longer Music, which is an evangelistic rock opera. 
that started the um, missions organization that I work with. And I had an opportunity to go on tour with that band through Europe and the Middle East and and be mentored under the founder of this organization. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I need to learn more about how to use my art to share the gospel and, and do it in relevant ways and learn how to speak the right language and be effective. And so I kind of, I killed my dream. I killed my dream as a composer and pursued being a street performer instead. <laughs> yeah, but the difference that you're making in the kingdom is phenomenal. So you made the right choice, Philip. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Never looked back. Yeah. So um, I've got to go to break here, but I'm curious, uh, your great-grandfather started, or was it your grandfather? It was your great-grandfather, wasn't it? Yeah. How yeah, far great- back do some of the marionettes go in your family? What's the oldest uh, oldest marionettes you have in your possession? Is it your grandfather's or your great-grandfather's? My great-grandfather just kind of fabricated some gotcha. dolls. Gotcha. And, okay. Yeah. He was a craftsman. He never—I don't think he actually made any marionettes from scratch. Yeah. But he was way more of a storyteller and a magician cool and uh my grandfather used the marionettes from the kansas city theater company and those gotcha. are the ones. yeah yeah cool all right we'll take a little break we'll be right back philip shorey is my guest his book is called kill your art a street performer's guide to being a messenger of jesus christ and he's got his next book coming out soon called travelogues of a family sideshow philip shorey s-h-o-r-e-y we'll be right back with Philip Shorey today. He's a uh, street performer and a marionette artist and a composer. And, you know, we haven't talked too, too much about your musical side. Uh, you learned uh, piano when you were a kid, but you were living in a camper. So how did you practice? Uh, I, I practiced on the road. We would, we would go to churches every week. We'd be at a new church performing for five, five nights. And I would practice in the sanctuary of every church that we were performing in. Um, my grandmother would give me lessons when we'd be back in town. She'd give me a lot of stuff to work through to kind of keep me, sustain me. Um, I had a lot of different teachers, but it was for a few years that I, I performed, I, I traveled full time as a kid throughout the, the continental United States and up into Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, tell us again about your, uh, scoring and your, um, working with orchestras, you eventually got to uh, score an orchestra in Poland. Uh, tell us about that, because I find that fascinating. Oh, yeah. Well, as I said before, I went to school for film film scoring and film composition. Uh, I've been playing the piano all my life, and I fell in love with film scoring and film music back in high school. Uh, and I that's what I wanted to do. That was my dream, to be a film composer. And I went to Brazil, like I said, and and discovered that God had much bigger plans for me as a street performer than as a as a, a film composer. So I killed my dream, killed my art, and never looked back. Uh, but I'm still a huge fan of 
orchestral music and I would use it where I could and, you know, compose for my marionette theater and do side gigs or whatever. But I was never really, I was never chasing it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, I, I, you know, when I first fell in love with orchestral music, it was through classic horror films. And that led me to Nosferatu, this 1922 uh, German expressionist film, the first one of the greatest vampire films of ever made. And it's a, a silent film. And there's been lots of different people to write music for it. And and there was just the classic horror genre that came out of that. And ultimately to, to Max Steiner and then Alfred Hitchcock and Bernard Herrmann, the composer for his movies. And I just fell in love with just horror, classic horror music and that genre and 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 then you know Philip Glass and the Kronos Quartet and mm-hmm. Danny Elfman, all these just like kind of more creepy, darker, creepy circus music. It just sort of like came <laughs> out of me. Like I just started like breathing creepy circus music, and <laughs> and I, I just that was just like my natural tendency. As I said, I I do marionettes, but it's yeah. not like just for kids. You right, know, right. it has a lot of dark humor to it, and it's mostly for adults. Um, so that I just can't help but allow the marionettes to, to become creepy, like that's what they are, and and so I I share the gospel with this, you know, and I I just didn't know where does where does creepy circus music fit in the church, <laughs> and yeah. I don't I don't see it being used in worship music, although I'd like to change that, um, and I was eventually asked to to write music for a cre- uh, evangelistic circus, which was a real outlet for my creepy circus music, and. Um, <laughs> And so I, you know, I can tell, you can tell I'm passionate about this, but I, th- I gave it up, you know, like I, I used it where I could, and, yeah. but, but then lo and behold, uh, I go to a show here in Minneapolis and I see Nosferatu just as a fan and I see a band perform it live with live music. And I, I, I had fallen in love with this movie many years ago, like I said, and I, saw, I actually cried when I saw it in film school, I, I, the, the gospel came out to me so hard that I saw this vampire film and I was actually tearing up and crying because I felt the Holy Spirit so strongly in class wow. while watching this secular vampire movie. And and I felt the Holy Spirit telling me at that moment, do something with this film someday. So I put that on the shelf because if I was going to do anything with it, it was going to be writing a full orchestral score with it. And I, Lord know, knew how that was going to possibly happen, but I didn't have an orchestra, so why pursue it? And I went and saw this this band perform Nosferatu, and I, I liked it. It was good music. But all along, I was watching the band perform it, and I thought, man, the way they interpret the vampire, it's just comical. It's creepy. It's creepy comical. It's cool. But no, the vampire is like stark evil. Like he is the force of consumerism and the force of like of selfishness and a force for death. I mean, he is evil. And the music should have been way more dark and evil. And <laughs> and then Ellen, Ellen is like this giver of life and healer. Like she gives her life to the vampire to get rid of it, just as Jesus did when he went to the cross. And she should have been way more victorious and more passionate in her love theme. And so it was kind of glazed over. And I thought, you know, like the music was good, but I don't agree with the interpretation of the film. And and then it hit me. And, it, and I felt God say, okay, then do something with it now. 
And I thought, well, what can I do? I don't have an orchestra. Um, I have some friends who can make a comic book. Okay, we'll make a comic book. All right, let's make a comic book. So I made a comic book called Curse of the Vampire. And it was a comic book that just showed the narrative that I saw of the gospel weaved through Nosferatu. And then at the end, it just explains it. Because I'm sure most people don't quite get it when I say there's a gospel narrative in a vampire story. Mm-hmm. So so there, so it explains it. So we'd, we'd bring these comics to Marilyn Manson concerts, to vampire balls at First Avenue, to uh, just different you know events, Halloween, trick-or-treaters. And we'd hand them out and as a way to just get people to think outside their box of who God is. And, and most times people would take a comic, they would be, wow, this is incredible. Look at this. You know, and they want to read it as opposed to a lot of uh, tracks where they see it and like, oh, it's about God. It's about Jesus. And they throw it away. So I thought this is a, a unique way of, of getting the gospel in people's hands where they'll be entertained first, and then naturally be curious. What does the artist mean by this? And that was in the comic book form. So I, so all my travels as as a street performer had led me to Poland, and I developed a a deep relationship with this festival called Slot Art Festival in Poland. And it was a a festival that uh, is in a castle. And I pitched this idea to one of the the leaders of the festival. I said, "Hey, here's a comic book. Let's show Nosferatu." It's a, it's actually a, a Christian-ran secular art festival. So I said, here's this comic book, Show Nosferatu, and we'll translate the comic book into Polish so that after they see the, the, the film Nosferatu, they can receive this comic book as a little memento, and then they'll hear the gospel at the end of the show through the comic. And she was like, this is a great idea. I love the story. I love the film. I love your idea but it's a silent film. It needs to have music. And I was like, yeah, okay. Then she asked me, can you make a full <laughs> orchestral musical score? Oh, for it? funny. And I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, that's a huge job. Um, yeah, but I don't have an orchestra. So even if I did, I wouldn't put in that kind of work if I didn't think it would actually be performed. And she's like, the festival has an orchestra. We have an orchestra every year, and we highlight an up-and-coming composer. You could be that that year's up-and-coming composer. We'll highlight your score wow. to Nosferatu, and then you can share the gospel at, to the entire festival after you perform it on the f- finale closing night of the week. And I was in shock because that was my dream. Wow. That was, that was my dream, to be a film composer. <laughs> and to you and and uh I gave it up to share the gospel to to use my art to to preach uh you know to help people discover Jesus and I wasn't going to ever compromise on that that's what I do that's what my purpose is and I'm, and I'm thankful that I do what I do but now I get to do it with an orchestra and so this just led me to completely change my life like my, my, you know, like, okay, how am I going to find time? I've got mm-hmm. two kids. I've got three kids. How am I going to find time to write a 90 minute film score for this silent film and die, le- relearn some of this stuff that I kind of gotten rusty because this is, isn't what I've been doing for so long. And for the first time 
right for a full orchestra. Get some help with some friends on the choir, the string parts, the the the, the brass section. Learn how to conduct, because I got to conduct this. Wow. So I so I had to like I just learned how to conduct, mm-hmm. in, you know, with some friends, and then my first time conducting an orchestra was standing in Poland before a seventy-piece orchestra with with my music for this film and i i had a friend my friend shar came and to be first first chair and she's done, she's got a lot of experience working with some high level musicians and mm-hmm. high level orchestras so i i really trusted her to to help me yeah. and show me like okay am i am i conducting is my conducting clear uh you know and look over my score I, so i God just put some amazing people around me to shoulder this weight with me. It's incredible for, that, for yeah. that first step. But that was just one show. Yeah. It's gone on. Yeah, I mean, so when you man. kill, yeah, when you kill your art and surrender everything to God, amazing things happen. Philip, it's just a, an incredible story, and I appreciate you sharing it with us today. Unfortunately, we're a little out of time. Yeah, well, if people want to know, they can check it out. Suitcase Sideshow on on Instagram or Facebook or Curse of the Vampire on instagram or facebook awesome that's where that's where all our stuff will be yeah that wraps up our show for the day thanks for being with me i've loved our time together and i'm looking forward to our time together tomorrow have a good night's sleep i will see you then thanks for listening programming like this is made available through your support information available at myfaithradio.com